Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temi, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Hey, everybody. Hello, Joe and Andy Leonetti. Hi, everyone. Uh, we have a super fun topic to talk about this week. We sure do. <laughs> you want to set us up, Andy? Yeah, um, I'll provide all of the uh, lengthy and rich <laughs> exposition. That's what we come to you that for. Jo- that Joe requires. <laughs> I demand excellence, Andy, and and you deliver. (laughs) Since I'm the non-attorney, I have to justify myself somehow. (laughs) And that just means when I can't really analyze some sort of legal dispute or situation, I can make myself useful by just like filling in all of the background details. (laughs) Just for date purposes, this is March 19th. By the time this is released, the entire jury is likely to be seated in the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. Uh, he is accused of murdering George Floyd last last May in what, as we all know now, has been a, a long year in the city of Minneapolis and has also set off protests across the country. And this trial has the attention of the entire country because, well, first off, a lot of people are at home, and second off, it is being broadcasted both online and I believe on court TV. Yes. Um, Yeah. So it is getting a lot of attention. It's probably fair to say this might be the most high profile police killing trial that has yet to take place in this country. Absolutely. And people who are hoping for a guilty verdict. I know some people are very hopeful and some people are quite nervous that despite you know, what on the surface appears to be a pretty damning 10-minute video of the death of George Floyd that Derek Chauvin might be acquitted. And a lot of it has to do with the charges that he is facing versus whether he is, quote, responsible. Mm-hmm. The city of Minneapolis, we should note, certainly feels that Derek Chauvin is responsible for the death of George Floyd as they have announced a $27 million settlement with the family of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. That sparked a rather contentious and kind of, I think, nerve-wracking week in the courtroom. During jury selection, uh, Chauvin's attorney petitioned the court for a continuance and a change of venue, arguing that the announcement and city leaders holding press conferences to talk about the settlement pretty much irreparably tainted the jury pool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hennepin County Judge Peter Cahill, who is running the show, re-questioned jurors who had already been seated when that settlement was announced. He dismissed two of them, but then just this morning, today, the 19th, he rejected both motions for a continuance and a change of venue. So opening arguments are scheduled to begin on March 29th. The trial is expected to last several weeks. It could be as long as a month. I think the the eyes of the world are fixed uncomfortably on Minneapolis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. What? Yeah. What charges is Derek Chauvin facing? Because I know he's got a couple different ones, and kind of whether intent matters is going to be a big deal in this. And, yes, uh, that's a good question. So the first charge that he's facing is second degree manslaughter. This charge basically implies that Chauvin was, quote, culpably negligent in causing George Floyd's death. Restraining him with the knee on his neck essentially posed an unreasonable risk to George Floyd's life and that he died from that. 
prosecution does not have to prove that the restraint was the direct cause of Floyd's death, only that were it not for Derek Chauvin and his actions that day, George Floyd would still be alive. Mm -hmm. uh, as someone who's not a criminal defense lawyer or a prosecutor or anything, I that's one of those charges where I read it and I and I see the video and I say, oh, okay, that seems pretty likely. But I know a good portion of people probably would not be satisfied with a conviction on that count alone because mm -hmm. it would lead to the shortest prison sentence. Right. And so the other charges he's facing are second degree unintentional murder. Uh, this is the most serious. This is alleging that Chauvin killed Floyd by using the knee to the neck mm -hmm. restraint for an unreasonable amount of time. This is an unintentional, quote, unintentional murder charge. Uh, so the prosecution does not have to prove that he intended or wanted to kill Floyd, only that he did. And this would lead in Minnesota to a 10 to 15 year prison sentence. It's a serious charge. Yeah, It is an extremely serious charge. Um, that's where the Chauvin defense is going to argue that uh, he was using reasonable force to restrain a criminal suspect mm -hmm. uh, to protect himself, fellow officers and pedestrians. And then the most controversial charge that he's facing, the one that has been the source of a lot of back and forth between district court and Minnesota appellate courts is the third degree murder charge. Third degree murder in Minnesota means that someone caused the death of another person, quote, by perpetuating an act eminently dangerous to others and, and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. Now, Judge Cahill dismissed that charge last fall, ruling essentially that Chauvin's actions did not rise to that to that charge, that there was little evidence to support the charge. Yeah, specifically the defense argued that someone couldn't commit that offense against one person. Yes. That it was meant to be actions that are taken that put a, a lot of people in danger. Correct. And then the appellate courts said... Nope, you can commit third-degree murder against one person. Yeah, strangely enough, it stems from upholding the third-degree murder conviction of another Minneapolis police officer, um, mm -hmm. one that didn't get as much headlines nationwide. Minneapolis police officer Mohammed Noor shot and killed Justine Damon, a woman who had called 911 to report mm -hmm. what she thought was an assault or something taking place in her alley behind her home and the squad car pulled up. She approached the police car and officer North shot and killed her yep. claiming he thought he needed to do it to, to protect himself and his partner. Mm -hmm. uh, the court of appeals in upholding uh, Muhammad North's conviction earlier this year ruled that third degree murder can indeed apply to a single person. This is, this is where I, I like we get into the meaning of what depraved mind means in mm -hmm. that they felt that, that officer nor showed that mm -hmm. in firing indiscriminately out of his car. And the prosecution in this case is going to argue that Derek Chauvin had ample, ample time to remove his knee mm -hmm. from the neck of George Floyd. You know, I, I did want to mention one thing, just because I think it's an interesting juxtaposition. Moore is black, and the victim in that case is white. Mm -hmm. Now, we're seeing very similar allegations against Derek Chauvin, who is white, and George Floyd, who is black. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I, I'm not saying one way or the other, but I do think that it's an it's an interesting juxtaposition between what charges each is facing mm-hmm. and how the public is reacting to each charge that the person is facing. Yeah. And I, I do think it's worth pointing that out, even if we don't get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people were saying it's no surprise that the first police officer to be convicted of murder in the state of Minnesota, that it was a black mm-hmm. Muslim officer. Mm-hmm. And not and not a white police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after we saw the acquittal of the police officer in the death of Philando Castile, mm-hmm. and yeah. no and no charges brought forward in the death of Jamar Clark. And yeah. Now, the big the big wrinkle that has yet to remain in the Nor case that could have a direct effect on this case is that when Judge Cahill reinstated the charge, the third degree murder charge, this month. He was basically he was bound by the court of appeals ruling, which basically instructed him that their that their ruling upholding the third degree murder charge against Nor was precedent. Mm-hmm. Um, Judge Cahill did not believe that it was precedent at first when he first declined to restore the third degree murder charge against Derek Chauvin, and now it remains precedent until June because the Minnesota Supreme Court has said that they will take up. Mohammed Noor's appeal. Mm -hmm. So if the Supreme Court were to overturn that conviction, that third degree murder conviction, and Derek Chauvin is convicted Mm -hmm. this uh, next in April, it is very likely that his third degree murder conviction would most likely be tossed out as well. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult issue to talk about, but it's also very interesting from a legal perspective about having such two similar cases and all of this resting on that one issue of whether the third degree murder charge can involve more than one person being put in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an almost academic argument, but it's involving these situations that are just awful. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting set of circumstances. Yeah, it's interesting because I read about the third degree murder charge in press accounts and whatever as sort of an almost uh, compromise position. People have been writing about it mm. in that if a jury is hesitant to convict on the second degree murder charge, but they want to give him a harsher penalty than second degree manslaughter. That's why it's important to many people that the third degree murder charge was reinstated. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand how all of that prognostication <laughs> works. Cause I, cause I don't know how jury I've never been in a jury room myself. Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of horse trading goes on <laughs> there. Um, yeah. No one will ever let Joe or I on a jury. Um, they generally if they find out you're a lawyer they will dismiss you Um, I mean some people think that now that the third degree murder charge was reinstated it will be easier to get a conviction on that count just because I think the argument is that the second degree unintentional murder will be the hardest to get a conviction on because the defense will be arguing that he was using reasonable force uh, and they are also going to be going pretty hard at the fact that George Floyd had drugs in his system Mm -hmm. And that the ME's report, even though it was Floyd's death was ruled a homicide, it did also note the presence of uh, fentanyl and that he suffered from a pretty bad uh, heart condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did just want to mention for people who maybe don't have a legal background, when you're charged with multiple counts 
uh, a, a multiple murder counts and manslaughter counts. You can be convicted of all of them. You can be convicted of some of them, mm-hmm. or you can be convicted of none of them. And so if a jury has a little trouble saying, Ooh, I, I don't know if this quite meets the definition of a second degree murder under the law, you know, their job is not to say what should happen. Their job is to say, this is what the law says, and we're going to apply the facts to the law. And right here, it doesn't meet the definition of second degree mm-hmm. murder. I'm not saying that they're going to do that. I'm saying that they mm-hmm. can do that. And then they can also, of course, then convict on another charge, whether that's manslaughter or third degree murder. And so it's very important what happens with these third degree murder charges, both in the Supreme Court and and in the Derek Chauvin case, because if he's only convicted of that third degree murder charge and it gets tossed out, Mm-hmm. he's basically walking away from it. So uh, there, there's a lot at stake with this upcoming Supreme Court case. Yeah. Or if he's convicted of third degree murder and manslaughter, then you could see half the time knocked off his sentence. Too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we've been throwing around a lot of terms about first degree murder, second degree, third degree. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of states don't even have something called third degree murder. Only three states have third degree murder. Right. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Florida, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So I think it might be helpful for everybody in understanding kind of what Derek Chauvin is facing and what's at stake if we take a step back and look at some of these different charges. Mm-hmm. And Laura, I'm wondering if maybe you could kind of give an overview of what the murder charges in various states are and kind of some general rules so that we can get an idea of what it is. Sure, absolutely. One thing that is important to keep in mind is that there are, you know, general principles for murder charges, but each state is going to have a slightly different version as we just talked about that some states don't even have third degree murder. And then you have federal statutes as well, but some of the general ideas apply to everything. So I guess let's start with first degree murder, which just to point out, is not a charge that Derek Chauvin himself is facing, but it helps to talk about it in comparison to second and third degree murder. Mm -hmm. So in most states, first degree murder is willful, deliberate and premeditated. And there's all kinds of fun phrases that come with these criminal statutes like depraved heart and malice aforethought. Like we just like to get kind of fancy with it, I guess. (laughs) Um, I'm having flashbacks to the bar exam. I don't know about you, Joe. Every every <laughs> single person who went to law school just, you know, perked up and had yeah. a little memory <laughs> of malice of forethought. Yeah. And so in general, that just means that the prosecution has to show that the defendant had either evil intent or some kind of extreme indifference to human life. And it's a specific at- intent. So whatever action they took, they intended it for it to kill someone. Interestingly... This is kind of a side note, but it doesn't have to attach to that specific person who died. So like if Andy wants to kill me and accidentally kills Joe, it's still first degree murder. Mm -hmm. Not that you would ever do that. (laughs) I don't think. Never. We we record remotely, so (laughs) you don't have the chance right now. (laughs) Um, And then folded into this, there's also the felony murder rule, which again, anybody who went to law school just kind of perked up a little bit because we all remember (laughs) felony murder. And that is the set of circumstances where if someone dies as a result of the defendant committing certain crimes, they can be charged with first degree murder, even if they did not intend to kill anyone. 
And so that's things like arson, burglary, yeah. kidnapping, robbery. Like robbing, robbing a bank or something. Yeah, yeah. the classic example is robbing a bank and say, you know, a security guard or someone in the bank is killed in the process. It doesn't matter who killed them. If they die, the people who perpetuated that bank robbery can be charged with first degree murder. Can I ask a law school question then? Yeah. Does malice aforethought then that does, but that does not mean the same thing as premeditated, right? From what I remember anyway, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Yeah, it's that that premeditation or that intentional act. And the premeditation doesn't have to be very long. It can be It can be sixty seconds of thinking. Yeah, it about can it. be a few minutes or an hour or a day or you know, whatever. There's no specific time frame. It doesn't have to be a whole plan to execute a murder. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you take that away, that is what gets into generally second degree murder charges. So that's an intentional killing without premeditation. Or say if somebody intends to severely harm someone, but they die instead, that would fall under second degree in most states. Or if you demonstrate, um, I think it's usually extreme indifference to human life, that can also be second degree and i think a lot of the in in a lot of those cases they use the phrase heat of passion mm -hmm. which you know is kind of a awkward phrase in modern speech i think um, well it, and it's funny because the the kind of the classic example is like i a was guy, just gonna as a guy say, comes yeah. home and finds his wife yep in bed with someone else <laughs> uh-huh and and then decides to kill everybody yeah um that's kind of the classic example yeah as opposed to planning it out beforehand and mm -hmm. you know serial killer stuff right they talk about the the cooling there's no time to cool off mm -hmm. and so it's often in some type of interpersonal conflict I do think it's funny that you brought that up because that's the exact example that I had written down in my notes. <laughs> because yeah. It is. It's the one that it's always Joe Schmo comes home to find his wife in bed with his best friend. And then, you know, I don't know who still keeps shotguns on their wall. but mm -hmm. And so what's unique about the second degree murder charge against Chauvin is that it's a second degree unintentional murder charge. I guess that really just refers to the fact that as far as anybody knows, he didn't seek out George Floyd with the intention of killing him. But when the time came, he acted knowing that he would almost certainly cause either death or serious harm by keeping his knee on Floyd's neck. And mm -hmm. so that's sort of how that charge attaches to these circumstances. And then, yeah, you've got third degree murder, which, like we said, a charge of that name only exists in three states. One interesting thing about Minnesota's statute is that third degree murder also includes causing someone's death by overdose if you sell, deliver, or administer a Schedule One or Two controlled substance to them. Mm -hmm. And that is unique to Minnesota only. Yeah, that's the most common use application of the third-degree murder charge in Minnesota is mm -hmm. drug dealers who right. a client dies. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that not only do only three states have this charge, but they're all very different. Florida's version is... Third-degree murder is defined as an unintentional killing while committing a nonviolent felony. And then in Pennsylvania, it's any murder of a human being that is not first or second-degree murder. So it's very much a catch-all. Mm -hmm. So in Florida, what would a nonviolent felony be? Embezzlement? Drug trafficking? Yeah, probably drug charges. Hmm. I get, yeah, it's pretty broad, which I thought was interesting. I mean, look, I... <laughs> I'm licensed in Minnesota and right. not in Florida, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's a good example of how these charges can vary pretty widely um, across different jurisdictions. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, people who are unfamiliar with criminal law may find surprising, just how much intent matters and just mm-hmm. how much planning matters, whether you intended to kill somebody or you're just acting recklessly. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just what you knew, but also what you should have known. And so right. all of these things kind of go into the pot and then states individually grab things from that pot and kind of form their own laws about murder. And so every state is a little bit different, but the basics are if you plan ahead, it's worse. Mm-hmm. If you act extremely recklessly, it's worse. On the other hand, if you were not setting out to kill anybody, but it happened and you were doing something wrong that caused that death, you're still facing criminal charges, but it's not quite as bad as if, you know, if, if you're, say, you're you're driving drunk and you mm-hmm. hit somebody and you kill them, you're going to face a different criminal charge than if you saw somebody that you knew and disliked right. and intentionally ran them over. Mm-hmm. You know, the result is the same. So, you know, at times you can argue that what's the difference, but in the law, it absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. And combine that with a police killing case. Right where you combine a state's justified use of force standards for police officers Mm -hmm. and, I mean, the public's general deference toward giving police officers more rope than the general public Mm -hmm. in cases like these. And so so proving the intent is is certainly difficult, especially in, in police cases, because the argument is that they were using justified force or that they thought that their partner's life, that they thought that their own life was in danger, their partner's life was in danger, or innocent bystanders' lives were in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a souped up self-defense mm-hmm. argument. Yeah, I did kind of want to get into that a little bit, because Andy, I know that you, you wrote about it, and that is going to be a part of Chauvin's defense. I'm not particularly familiar with Minnesota's use of force law, but I'm wondering if you researched that a little bit and kind of how it applies in the Chauvin case. So Minnesota does have a use of deadly force statute for peace officers. It is justified if an objectively reasonable officer would believe based on the circumstances that the force is necessary to protect themselves or others from death or great bodily harm, provided that the threat can be articulated, is reasonably likely to occur absent action by the law enforcement officer and must be addressed through the use of deadly force without unreasonable delay. Or use of deadly force is allowed to affect the arrest or capture or prevent the escape of a person whom the officer knows or has reasonable grounds to believe has committed or attempted to commit a felony, and the officer believes that the person will cause great death or great bodily harm to another person. Again, those earlier qualifications applying. Uh, A peace officer is not allowed to use deadly force based on the danger the person poses to themselves if an objectively reasonable police officer would believe that they do not pose a threat of death or great bodily harm to the officer or others. So the important thing here is that it's not just what Derek Chauvin thought. It's not that, oh, he can't say, oh, I felt in danger, so I acted Mm -hmm. accordingly. 
It's what would a reasonable officer do right. with all the training that mm-hmm. is involved in becoming a police officer? You know, did he act according to what a normal police officer would do in the same mm-hmm. or similar circumstance? Right. And that's where the defense is going to make arguments about the drugs is that he was under the influence of drugs and mm-hmm. was acting belligerently mm-hmm. at the time um, mm-hmm. because you know, there's art that he was already in the squad car and then they took him back out. You know, I'm, I sound like a potential juror here because <laughs> I've seen the, I've seen the video and I have opinions. Yeah. Right. But you're absolutely right. That is going to be talked about extensively at the trial is uh, George Floyd's drug use. Mm-hmm. And the defense is definitely going to try to paint a picture of somebody who was under the influence may very well have died in any case because of the drug use and otherwise was acting belligerently. And so that's going to be a primary focus of the defense. Well, and then the prosecution's going to come in and say, look, he was already handcuffed and mm-hmm. face down on the ground. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, what possible threat did he pose at that point? Yep. Correct. Yeah. That's, that's going to be probably the crux of the discussion in the jury room, I would think. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's an interesting case. It's uh, got a lot of, law school hypotheticals to it. Um, But unfortunately, (laughs) it is a very real world case Mm -hmm. that's going to have very real world consequences. So it's actually, you know, it's difficult to talk about and it's difficult to kind of parse some of these murder charges and and kind of analyze exactly what happened in light of the video and everything. Yeah, It's an extremely important case, not only for Minnesota law, but also just for Minnesota generally, because like you said, Andy, people are watching. People care a great deal. I'll I'll be watching too. Yep. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws, Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. Way to wrap it up, Joe. Yay.